When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game Week 1 is almost complete, it's just Manchester United versus Wolves to go on Monday evening. It was so good to have the Premier League and the FPL back over the weekend, roll on the next set of fixtures. It's a Friday deadline again this week, but it's 15 minutes earlier than last week, so don't get caught out by that. The deadline is 6.15 UK time, not 6.30pm like last week. In today's episode, I'll do a quick review of Game Week 1. Welcome the first members to this season's 59th Minute Club. Got three already. Update the watch list, highlight a few stats that caught my eye, answer listener questions and finish the pod with captaincy and potential transfers for the weekend. There will be another 59th Minute episode on Friday after the pressers, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening for that one. quick review of how the first game week went obviously very early days in the season but nice to get off to a fairly decent start 67 points with Bruno Rashford and Luke Shaw to play I'm not going to mention overall ranks until at least halfway through the season because it doesn't mean very much until then there was deadline drama on Friday so I was at Fantasy Football Fest in London when it got to about 10 to 6 so about 40 minutes before the deadline I said I'm going to take a short walk back to the hotel which thankfully was nearby because I needed some headspace, uh, some reliable internet just to make sure I could get any last minute decisions done. Got back to the hotel, seen the news that John Stones was unlikely to feature. He was in my in my final draft. So I went in and switched him to Luke Shaw, who was on my watch list, just didn't overthink that one. And then the, the Gabriel rumours, there was rumours that Gabriel wasn't going to play for Arsenal the following day. I didn't see that news until about 6.27, maybe it was even 6.28. So just two minutes before the deadline, had a quick think about it. I said, I've got Chilwell first on the bench. Hopefully if Gabriel doesn't play, I'll just get Chilwell in. And I just really didn't want to make a late last minute decision. So like a lot of people, I just left Gabriel in there. And we're just going to have to see what happens. I'll come back to him because there is questions about him. And obviously frustrating that Arteta brought Gabriel on because I didn't get Chilwell's seven-pointer from the bench. But happy to own Chilwell now for the next couple of game weeks and actually just thankful that he just got the seven-pointer. But who knows, maybe uh, 
maybe a Shaw, Bruno or Rashford won't turn up on Monday and I might get those Chilwell points yet. So I think everybody in the team delivered so far, apart from Gabriel. So that's a very positive start to the season. Just to give you a heads up in case you don't know the team I went with very quickly, Johnson and Goal with a six-pointer, Gabriel Shaw and a Stupinen, Stupinen with a seven-pointer, Martinelli, Saka, Rashford and Bruno to play, and up front, Joe Pedro with a seven, Captain Haaland 26, and Watkins with five, and then on the bench, Turner at Forest, Chilwell, Marvellous Nakamba, because I'm confident that I'm going to have a marvellous season, and Bayer from Burnley, so I ended up going for kind of a 3-4-3 formation, which can become a 4-4-2 with the four strong defenders, so quite glad I did end up making the switch to Joe Pedro. In the end, basically, I couldn't decide which 4-5 defender to go for. I also couldn't decide which 6.5 midfielder to go for, so I just avoided both. And by getting Joe Pedro, it allowed me to get Luke Shaw and Chilwell alongside Gabriel and Stupin. So overall, feeling good about the picks in game week one. A very warm welcome to the 59th Minute Club. First of all, a special shout out for Aston Villa's Pau Torres. He didn't even start the game, but when Tyrone Mings went off injured, Pau Torres came on. A few people tagged me in tweets saying... This could be a 59th minute appearance because he must have came on around the 30 minute mark. And yes, indeed, Pauter Torres becomes one of the first players to join the 59th minute club from the bench. That made me very happy on Saturday. A warm welcome also to Bournemouth duo Jaden Anthony and Marco Sinesi. They joined Torres as the first three players in the club. The club is pretty lonely at the moment. But lads, grab yourselves a drink and we'll hopefully have a few more players joining you next weekend. You never know, maybe we might even get one or two on Monday night. Moving on to the watch list section of the episode. So long-time listeners will know I update the watch list every week. So when it's a... Basically, I have a pre-season watch list of about 25, 30 players. When I lock in my team for game week one... I delete all the players on the watch list and then I just update it right after game week one. So nine games played so far. I've gone through all 18 teams and then I'll do the same for Manchester United and Wolves after that game and add any players that I think have a chance of coming into my team in the near future. So defenders, first of all, there's not too many, just three, um, which tells you I'm quite happy with my defence at the moment. Again, I'll come to Gabriel in the question section. Trent Alexander-Arnold's... Watching the highlights, seeing him get a nice assist for Mo Salah, which thankfully, as a non-owner of both players, was ruled out. But again, it just kind of highlights the potential that Trent has as an FPL prospect. Don't see myself buying him in the next week or two, but always going to be on the watch list if he's not in my team. I went for Ben Chilwell because I trust his fitness more. But it was good to see Reese James on the pitch and playing in a wing-back position as well. Might not always be a wing-back system for Chelsea, but even if it was from time to time, that could be good news for Chilwell and Reese James. So James is on the watch list. I'm probably not going to double up. I was talking to a few people on Friday who were doubling up. Maybe Chilwell was in the starting eleven and Reese James was on the bench. Perfectly viable when you look at Chelsea's fixture. So Trent's in my mind, Reese James is in my mind. And I thought that one of the standout defenders from the weekend was Rico Henry at Brentford. I watched that Tottenham game. He was one of the best players on the pitch. I thought himself and Basuma were probably the best two players on the pitch. Not that Basuma is an FPL option, but Rico Henley certainly is. 4.5, bombing up the wing, getting an assist. Could have a really good season. And again, Brentford have good fixtures. On to the midfielders who've been added to the initial watch list for Game Week 2. Like Trent, if Salah's not in my team, he's always going to be on the watch list as a possible option. Bournemouth for the home this week. My plan was always to bank the transfer. So I've got no interest in going and ripping up my team, taking hits, 
to get Salah for the captaincy on the watch list for now, and we'll come back to him in a couple of weeks, possibly. His teammate, Luis Diaz, also on the score sheet. Some good underlying numbers, which I'll talk about soon. Phil Foden, I was close to going there in game week one. He was in a couple of drafts, but I ended up taking him out when I went for the more... 3-4-3 formation with Nakamba rather than a fifth midfielder. Well, a fifth expensive midfielder, that is. Again, I just don't have too much interest in the likes of Foden, Alvarez, Pep. It's just even the defenders. It was crazy that Diaz, Stones or Gvardiol, none of them played. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise for us just to stay away from Manchester City assets. Again, a question on those later, so I'll come back to them. But Foden's on the watch list, but again, he's probably pretty far down that watch list in terms of possible transfers in. A player that is much more likely to come in soon and I maybe have some tiny regrets that I didn't go go with him game week one, James Madison. If I did end up in a five-man midfield, Madison was very close to being involved. He kind of entered my thoughts in the final week of preseason, went into a few drafts, and I said, looked at the fixtures, feel like I can go, go without him the first two fixtures, and then maybe come back to him game week three when Tottenham's fixtures are really good for three game weeks on the bounce. Madison was fantastic for Tottenham, got the two assists, could have had even more just... You know, it's not a flash in the pan. We know what Madison's been doing for years, FPL-wise. Set pieces, who knows, might even get penalties. Again, that probably will be Hyungman's son, though, I would guess. Son did go off early, though, I think, after about 74 minutes. So if that happens often, maybe Madison gets penalties late in the game if they occur. So Madison, very near the top of my most wanted list. Again, like I said, probably going to bank a transfer this week. But when it comes to game week three and two free transfers, there's a very good chance Madison will come in. His teammates, Richarlison, also on the watch list because he's out of position. He's cheap. He didn't have a great game. But again, it was just one game. If he continues to play out of position and if they don't sign a striker to replace Hurricane, which they probably will, let's face it. They've, they've got a lot of cash to spend. Even seen them linked with Mr. Lukaku. He's pretty cheap in FPL I think is he around seven or seven and a half uh, vaguely remember seeing his name on the Chelsea team when I look there in pre-season on the FPL website Richardson on the watch list but again I won't be going there over Madison unless I see a lot more improvement from the Brazilian I get a couple of other players now who who were under consideration for me in game week one but didn't make it Jared Bowen on the score sheet and Bumo also on the score sheet from the penalty spot Matoma who got this the assist and Eze who put up Excellent numbers, but again, it was caveated. It was against Sheffield United, so we've got to be careful reading too much into one fixture. But Eze's numbers certainly stood out, which I'll talk about soon. Also on the watch list, Diaby and Aston Villa and Solly March, who I think was overlooked in pre-season by myself and by many others. Brighton are just such a good team, such a good team to watch. Goals galore, and I think we're going to have fun with their FPL picks again this season. But quite happy with Estupinen and Joe Pedro. Probably not looking to triple up until the fixtures improve slightly. Uh, so yeah, overall, midfielders, Salah, Diaz, Foden, Madison, Richarlison, Bowen, Diaby, Bumo, Matoma, Martin, Eze. And then forwards on the watch list, like Foden, I've added Julian Alvarez. But again, it's more just to keep an eye on things there, see how many minutes he gets. Not looking to buy him anytime soon. Nicholas Jackson at Chelsea posted some good underlying numbers past the eye test, so I like him as an option as well. Wissa on the score sheet, he was kind of direct competition for Joe Pedro for a lot of people, so I know the Wissa owners were sweating after Joe Pedro scored on the Saturday, but good to see Wissa get his goal on the Sunday. Elsewhere at Luton, I thought Morris was very impressive on penalties, only 5.5, so if there's any issues with Joe Pedro in the future, I think Morris could be an outroot. And finally, 4.5 million forward who got 90 minutes, Osula 
at Sheffield United. Again, one more for monitoring the minutes. If he continues to get starts and get 90 minutes, if you're in a 3-5-2 formation, Osula will become the best 4.5 million forward. But overall, with the forwards, I'm quite happy with my front three of Haaland, Watkins and Joe Pedro. I don't see that changing in the next week or two. So I'm just going to monitor these few options over the next few games. So that's the watch list updated ahead of Game Week 2. Like I said, I'll, I'll add the United and Wills players to it um, after the game on Monday. And I can update on that on next week's episode. Time to talk about some numbers now. Every Monday morning, I jump into the Fantasy Football Scout members area. Having watched all the highlights, watched a few games, it's nice to look at some numbers as well, just to see what they are telling me. So each week on the Monday episode, I'll pull out a few numbers that caught my eye. First up, goalkeeper Leno at Fulham. Nine saves, three bonus points, 12 FPL points. He could have another big season. I know it's just one game, but he did score 142 points last year. So we do have a pretty decent sample size with Leno at Fulham. So if you're looking for a goalkeeper, maybe when you play your first wildcard in a couple of weeks, have a look at how Leno is doing over the first chunk of games. Defenders, Stupinen, what a player. Six chances created, two of them big chances. He also had three goal attempts, two of which were from inside the box. And he was top among defenders for XGI, which is expected goal involvement, with 0.96. Very happy owner here. If you don't have him off the back of the first performance, I would be looking to get him soon. Trippier reminded us what he can do. Four chances created. When Newcastle's fixtures improve, I think a lot of us will flock back there, even with a price rise. Rico Henry, who's on the watch list, three chances created. Two of them were big chances. Onto the midfielders, Eze at Crystal Palace, huge numbers here. Seven chances created, eight goal attempts. Five of those goal attempts were from inside the box, and he also took five corners. Again, was against a pretty poor Sheffield United team, so maybe let's see how Eze does give me two before we jump in. I still favour banking a transfer rather than going and buying Eze. Madison and Pascal Gross both created six chances each. Matoma created a very healthy five chances so all of those players looking good for the numbers also again very very careful with stats it's only one game week um you know it's probably not until we get to maybe four five six game weeks into the season when you might see start seeing some patterns that you can rely on in terms of the numbers but again it's good to see some of these popular picks that we're considering for game week one posting good numbers straight out of the blocks jared bowen six goal attempts four shots in the box and he took four corners and there's seen a few Comments from David Moyes saying, basically he was saying he was thinking about buying a striker, but he's going to see if Jared Bowen can fill that void. He he played up front for Hull back in his Hull days, so we could see Jared Bowen as more of an out-of-position prospect this season. And those numbers from Game Week 1 are certainly encouraging. Luis Diaz had four shots in the box. Julian Alvarez, this one caught my eye because... Forwards in FPL, when I look at the chances created, they usually don't create too many. It's usually two, three max. But Julian Alvarez created six chances. Uh, probably took a few corners, which probably helped him there. Again, just one to keep an eye on. Edwards at Crystal Palace. Again, it was against Sheffield United, but seven shots in the box. You know, that's very, very good numbers and got himself on the score sheet. He kind of had a quiet enough campaign last year. Uh, and we shared game time with the likes of Mateta and stuff, but hopefully Edward can have a bigger season. Again, if there's any issues with Joe Pedro in the future, I think Edward is also 5.5. Elsewhere, Joe Pedro, Jackson and Morris all had four shots in the box. And Jackson and Isak both had three big chances each. So 
encouraging numbers for Jackson against Liverpool with three big chances. I think if you picked Jackson in game week one, you can confidently hold him for the good fixtures now and you should get returns from him. So that's the scout stats for game week one. I'll come back to those again in game week two. Before I get stuck into the listener questions, a quick plug for my Patreon. FPL content creation is my full-time job. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support it and me, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL General or just Google FPL General Patreon and you'll find it. There's also a link on my Twitter or X or whatever that app is called nowadays. You'll get extra podcasts, Thursday night live streams, Q&As, team reveals and much more. Any questions you have about signing up before you do so, send me a DM on Twitter. They are open. Listener questions now. Thank you, as always, to everyone who sent those in. First one from Andy Mack. And the second question from Mark is also related. The biggest question going into Gimme 2 is for Gabriel owners. Andy Mack asks, keep or sell? And Mark comments that it's clearly best to keep him another game week and see if he regains his place. What do you think of whether to start him and risk a one-pointer off the bench versus selecting an alternative if you have one? For example, Rico Henry away to Fulham. So on the first question, keep or sell Gabriel? I think we keep him if we own him. It's To me, I think there's a good chance he'll come back in against Crystal Palace. I think it was just a tactical decision. It could, it could actually turn out that that might be the only game Gabriel misses all season. And it might just have been, you know, nothing to worry about if we held on to him and he might end up still being a good FPL prospect. If you're like me, most people do try and bank a transfer when they've just built a new team. So I'm still planning to do that. Give Gabriel another game week. And if he does miss out again, then of course we do sell him. But I don't think we need to sell him after just one game week when I value transfers as precious. So Mark's question, and I'm in this boat what about what do we do then if we do keep him? Do we start him against Crystal Palace or do we start an alternative who we've got on the bench? So in my case, I'm going to start a Stupinan again. I'm going to start Chilwell this week. I think it's against West Ham. I just don't think you can bench either of those players. My question then is, do I start Gabriel, who I've got slight concerns about? Or do I start Luke Shaw, who's got a fixture against Tottenham, which I don't really like because I would fancy Tottenham to score given how they played in game week one so that's something I need to weigh up for the rest of the week I'll come back to it on Friday's episode but at the moment I've got Gabriel in my starting 11 because like I said I think there's a good chance he comes back in and I've got more faith in Arsenal for a clean sheet than I do Manchester United in game week two but like as you can tell I'm conflicted on this one and I'll weigh that up for the rest of the week if you've got a Rico Henry against Fulham I think that's better than Luke Shaw against Tottenham so I would probably be inclined to play Rico Henry there given how good he was game week one bench Gabriel and then you reassess things in game week three so I think it's fine to start him if, you, if you're like me and you think he comes back in also fine to bench him if you've got a decent option that you can replace him with so very interesting to see how that one plays out hopefully we don't have to use a transfer on a defender as early as game week three question from Paniots who is the best Mings replacement and what to do if you also have Gabriel. Yeah, very unlucky if you have both players. You've got two potential problems in your team straight away when you might have been, you know, not planning to make any transfers in game two. If you are in this scenario, this is different because you've got potentially two issues. Um, and you might have a, you might have a four million defender there as well that you don't really want to use. So if I own Tyrone Mings, I would sell him this week. I think if you don't have any other problems, keep Gabriel, hope for the best. And, and yeah, sell Mings because he's he's 
Arsenal have just confirmed this morning it's a serious injury. He's going to be out for a long time, so there's no point holding on to him. So I probably would just bite the bullet, get rid of him. Yeah, unless you've got three decent defenders you can play this week. But if you're looking short, you probably don't want to go in with Mings and Gabriel to game week two. So the best replacements, I think there's two clear options. If you've got 0.5 in the bank, you get a stupid in. If you don't have cash in the bank, you go for Rico Henry. Because he was great game week one. He's just a nice, rock-solid option. And he's got good fixtures for the next six, seven game weeks as well. Question from Pete. At the start of the season, how patient do you recommend being with game week one picks that were a bit punty? For example, Richarlison. Certainly give them more than one week. Give them at least game week two. And then then reassess things. Um, Richarlison was an absolutely viable pick in game week one. Still could turn out to be a great pick. I, If I owned Richarlison, I wouldn't be knee-jerking. Even if I had 0.5 in the bank, there might be some temptation to go Richarlison to Madison. But we know FPL, things can flip very quickly. Madison could get a two-pointer next week and Richarlison could be on the score sheet. So I would give Richarlison another week, save yourself a transfer, give yourself more flexibility, more information, more stats, and then decide what to do with that position from game week three onwards. Question from Matthew McLister. Should we be getting on Madison as soon as possible? I think yes, but I think we can wait until game week three. He's got Manchester United this weekend, and then it gets really good for Tottenham. Uh, They've got a run of three games, which is Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United. I don't really want to go into those three games without Madison off the back of his game week one performance. So like I said earlier, I'm planning to bank a transfer, and whether I make one transfer or two transfers in game week three, I probably will need to make make two if I want to get Madison unless I lose a Martinelli or something like that but very good chance I will be targeting Madison for that run of three fixtures not just for those three fixtures if Madison performs like he did in game week one if he's going to run the show he could be a season keeper you could get him plug him in one of those glue guys and you make your transfers elsewhere for the rest of the campaign so certainly like I said Madison very very high on my wanted list question from Andy Shears if you see a player you think is bound to rise in price and have a much better few weeks than one of your others in that position, should you get them in now? Or is it better to hold tight and bank a transfer, particularly given you assembled your squad in good faith less than a week ago? Yeah, very important not to overreact to just one game week's worth of information because, you know, you put in, good chance you put in weeks and weeks of prep, research, you know, listening to content, watching YouTube, reading stuff. And you were confident about your game week one team. So one game week doesn't change an awful lot because you know the players that performed in game week one are not necessarily going to be the players that perform in game week two. So don't need jerk, don't panic. If you're pretty happy with your squad, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect, but if it's decent for game week two, just roll with it and give yourself another week of info. Now, I've just noted down a few players here and, and I was trying to think, you know, what there is probably a few caveats here. If you if you're hell-bent on a player that you don't have, if you think you made a mistake by not picking them, and if you think they're just going to be absolutely fantastic, then of course you don't have to bank your transfer. And I'm thinking about players like Chilwell, who was getting into incredible positions for Chelsea. I wouldn't like to not own him. I'm quite happy. Obviously, I missed the seven-pointer, most likely, but I'm definitely going to be in my starting eleven for the next few weeks now. Estupinen's another one. When he's got good fixtures, I would feel slightly uncomfortable about not having him. Saka... Possibly Madison, but I think it's okay this week against United. Haaland's an obvious one. If you're one of the... He's over 90% ownership now. Insane. So if you're one of the 
99.9% of people that don't have Haaland, you probably should be making the transfer this week or two to get Haaland in. And the other one is Joe Pedro. If you think he's just a great pick and you feel like you missed out, you could go there this week. But Pedro, I wouldn't put Pedro as high as the likes of Chilwell, Estupinen, Saka and Haaland. Uh, I think you can probably wait another week on Pedro if you don't have him. And again, it gives you another week to look at the likes of Wissa and Edward and these guys also. It doesn't mean Pedro's the best pick just because he had a good start to the season. So yeah, you've got to weigh it up. Which players do you think you really need? And can you wait until game week three for them? In most cases, you can wait one game week. Yeah, you know, you shouldn't lose out too much by just being a little bit more patient. But yeah, you'll see a lot of content creators this week saying, you know, don't make a transfer, bank a transfer. But I think us content creators need to remember, you know, some people are missing players that they really, really want. And in that case, I would never stop someone from making a transfer, especially if you've got a, if you feel like you've got a dud option who's not going to do much for you, um, and you feel like there's a fantastic pick out there, maybe you don't wait, maybe just go and get them, and you know maybe they get ten to fifteen points in game week two. So, different ways to look at this, and it's very much team dependent. Question from Harshal: Should I keep Foden or get Madison? Again, because Madison's got United, of course he could return against Manchester United, but. When you picked Foden in game week one, you probably didn't pick him just for one game week. He got the start. De Bruyne is injured. You know, he'll probably start again game week two. That's a famous, famous last words when you're dealing with Pep Guardiola that he'll start game week two. But you know, hopefully he will if you own him. If I owned Foden and I didn't own Madison, I think I'd be keeping Foden for one more week, seeing how it goes, see how Madison does again, and then just make the switch game week three with a little bit more info. Question from Andrew Sands. Is it too soon to double up on playing four million goalkeepers? It's only been one week where Turner and Ariola. Sorry, it's it's only one week where Turner and Ariola have difficult have a difficult fixture. So basically, what Andrew's saying here is, if you go Turner and Ariola, the fixture rotation is quite nice, probably for the long term. I wouldn't recommend it because Turner's fine at Forest until they sign someone else. If they sign someone else, hopefully they don't. We've got him as a good option for our benches all season. Ariola, basically, David Moy said he's got two number one goalkeepers. So it doesn't mean Ariola is going to play every week. There could be a rotation there. So Ariola and Turner as a rotation, I don't think we can do that just yet. Maybe if it gets to game week four, game week five, and Ariola has started every game, if the transfer window's closed, if Forrest haven't signed another keeper, then we can maybe look at the Turner-Ariola rotation when it comes to the first wild card whenever we play that. But I wouldn't go there yet. And I certainly wouldn't be relying on just Ariola if you're looking to you know, buy him as your sole goalkeeper, because you could get a shock some weekend and Fabianski could be back in. A question from William Bain, related question about goalkeepers. Should I start Turner ahead of Pickford in game week two? So this is similar to my situation. I've got Johnston and Turner, and in my bus team, which I'll talk about soon, the bus team being the team you set for the next game week in case you get hit by a bus during the week. So your captain set and your team sets, a famous phrase coined by the excellent Always Cheating FPL podcast. Start Turner ahead of Pickford's. I think I would. If you look at the fixtures, Turner and Forrest play Sheffield United at home. Doesn't get much better than that. And then Pickford is away to Aston Villa. I'll always fancy Villa to score when they've got the likes of Watkins and Diaby and all those boys in attack. And then in my scenario... Sam Johnston plays Arsenal. Not expecting a clean sheet there. So I think I will start Turner. And I I went into the season with an open mind. Uh, usually I don't rotate goalkeepers. You know, I don't usually rotate 4.5 goalkeepers. But when you've got one of them that's 4 million on your bench, I think it would be silly not to consider the rotation when they do have a good fixture. So there will be a couple of scenarios, I think, where I do start Turner 
you know, I'll go by the bookies odds, which I usually do. If if Forrest have a better clean sheet percentage for the weekend than my my goalkeeper, Crystal Palace in this case, I will probably favour that that goalkeeper in certain game weeks. So yeah, Turner is probably going to start for me, and I'll probably do the same over Pickford. Just because you went for a set and forget goalkeeper, you can always be flexible with that. You don't you don't have to start a Pickford or a Johnston every week if you've got a Turner. Question from Fly in Your Hoodie. Are we really going to ignore Newcastle completely? Besides Man City, I see them hammering every other team this season. I don't think I'd go as far as saying they're going to hammer every team this season. You know, it was just one game. They, they certainly got Aston Villa on a bad day. I don't know what Emery was doing, but defensively they were absolutely all over the place. And I do expect to see an improvement from Aston Villa defensively over the next couple of weeks. Especially when, you know, Pau Torres comes in and starts starting games rather than coming in off the bench. It was all just a bit of a mess. And... Newcastle at home, St James Park, it's not somewhere you want to go to play your first game of the season. So Newcastle were good, but it might have been even more about Villa being bad, especially defensively. They've got fixtures which are not not nice on paper. They play Man City next, then Liverpool, then Brighton. Doesn't get much worse than that. So I'm quite happy to wait. Trippier is probably the one that interests me most. Um, The attackers, you've got Isak, you've got Wilson. We've seen them sharing game time at the weekend. You've got Barnes, you've got Gordon. They're going to share game time also. So I just don't like the rotation there. Um, I'm probably going to go for players from other teams and try and get those 90-minute men like your Watkins and and a few players elsewhere. So until the Newcastle fixtures improve, until they get through City, Liverpool and Brighton, so it's probably game week five before I'm going to look at any Newcastle assets. Hopefully they do continue to put in good performances because we do want to be shopping there for our FPL prospects this season again. But again, that rotation does put me off. The final question for this episode is from FPL Kakashi. Is the Salah substitution something to worry about for us owners? Yeah, it was surprising to see him go off. I think it was about 76 minutes into the game. Certainly wasn't happy about the substitution. We've seen that before with Salah. I wouldn't be worried. If I owned him, I don't think it's a big issue. You know, he got 76 minutes. It's Bournemouth at home in Gimme 2. The plan, I'm sure, if you have him, is to captain him in Gimme 2. And if I owned him, and that was my plan before the season started, my plan wouldn't be changing. Unless there's specific comments this week or anything that puts me off, I would be going ahead with a plan and I would captain Salah against Bournemouth. Moving on to transfers and captaincy for the weekends. Like I said a few times, the plan was to bank the transfer. I don't think the Gabriel Benson will change that. Still plan to bank it and reassess things with two free transfers in game week three. And thankfully, thankfully, I've got no other issues to deal with just yet. Captaincy, I don't own Salah for Bournemouth. I do think he's probably the best captaincy candidate this week. So I'll be on Haaland's at home to Newcastle. And to me, that feels absolutely fine because it's Erling Haaland. It's Manchester City. Yes, the fixture's not fantastic. But that was the decision I made going into the season. I wasn't going to have Salah for game week two. So I've just got to get through it and pretend that Liverpool have a blank this week like Burnley and Luton. Elsewhere for captaincy, not that I would recommend going anywhere else other than Salah or Haaland. You could look to Saka away to Palace. Although Palace, you know, Palace are a decent defensive side. They got the clean sheet game week one. And one of the reasons I went for Johnson as my goalkeeper, because I was looking at some stats during preseason, Crystal Palace were the fourth best team defensively for expected goals conceded last season. So never too keen on a captain away to Crystal Palace. And you've got Watkins at home to Everton. Good fixture on paper, but again, I wouldn't go there over Salah or Haaland. 
The bus team for Gamey 2 is looking like Turner in goal against Sheffield United with Johnston on the bench. A back three of Astupin and Chilwell and currently Gabriel, but I'll need to weigh that up with Luke Shaw against Tottenham. We'll see what the press conference updates are on Thursday and Friday, and we'll come back to that one in Friday's episode. Saka, Martinelli, Bruno and Rashford, as long as the United guys get through the Monday night fixture unscathed. And up front, it'll be Haaland, Captain, Watkins and Joe Pedro. That is it for the first episodes of the season where we've had some games to actually talk about. Thank you for taking the time to listen, folks. If you're not interested in the Patreon stuff, you can also buy me a coffee instead at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPL General. I'll talk to you again on Friday after the pressers. Have a great week. Sports Social Podcast Network.